Hello, hello, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed, the podcast where we dish on all things Food Network with your favorite Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have the ace of cakes joining us to talk about his life as a new dad and the path that led him to creating larger-than-life sweet creations. He's a chef and artist known for his inventive approach to baking, the owner of Charm City Cakes, and you love watching him on Kids Baking Championship, Holiday Baking Championship, and Buddy vs. Duff. It's Duff Goldman. Duff, welcome to the podcast. I recently found out your given name is Jeffrey. So I, I have to start by asking, how did the nickname come to be? So my my older brother is 22 months older than me. And my parents brought me home from the hospital. And they're like, this is your baby brother, Jeffrey. <laughs> and he couldn't really say it right. He kept saying Duffy. Uh, and so they, they were like, oh, that's cute. We'll call him Duffy. You know, so they were calling me Duffy. And then like, I got to like, whatever, kindergarten, first grade, whatever, the first time somebody called the role, you know, for school, like, you know, they call the role, make sure everybody's mm-hmm. there. And uh, they were like Jeffrey Goldman. And I was just like. <laughs> just and the silence. teacher's like, she's like, that's you. And I was like, my name's Duff <laughs> or Duffy. It was Duffy. All like all. It's funny. Like if you hear any of my friends call me Duffy, they were from high school. And then when I got to college, I dropped the Y because I okay. thought like Duff, you Duff. know, it's cooler you know, it was like it was 93. Like there was that like uh, that um, MTV VJ named Duff and like Duff oh, is yeah. so much cooler than Duffy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I'll drop the Y. I like Duff. Yeah. You know? All right. So yeah. it's like more like adult. Yeah, totally. But speaking of kids, you, you have one of your own now. So congratulations. First I of do. all, Thank uh, you. beautiful daughter, Josephine, born in January. <laughs> yeah. And I've been kind of looking at your Instagram. So enchanted by the the hand painted alphabet blocks that you are currently making for her. <laughs> all four sides are just beautiful, colorful. What inspired this project? You know, I honestly don't know. I mean, I built her like some other stuff. Like I built her like this cool little baby gym. So I built this like whole frame and I made these uh, like a bison and a shark and a hedgehog. And I like I shaped all these different beads. And so like I hung the, you know, the, the animals and I had beads on the strings and she plays with them. And it's like, you know, I'm always thinking about like, you know, what can I make her? You know, I'm very analog. I think that's that's the thing. And so, you know, I want her to have like really analog toys because I grew up with analog toys. Right. I had, you know, Legos and rocks and stuff. You know what I mean? Rocks, (laughs) dirt, sticks. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Like we live in the woods, you know, like we live way out in like our, you know, our our house is the last one on the street where it's paved, you know? And then like after our house, it's all like dirt roads and there's like flocks of goats and like there's a donkey back there. There's turkeys and <laughs> okay. like we live in the, like we're, we're pretty rural out here. And uh, and so, you know, she's definitely growing up with lots of sticks and rocks and, you know, dirt. Yeah, it's, it's good for them, right? You're you're a few months in now in the in the fatherhood role. Did you have mm. any ideas of what it would be like before she was born? We tried to be really sane about the <laughs> process, right? Like, okay, you know, my wife's like, "Hey, I'm pregnant." I'm like, "Okay, awesome. Let's uh, you know, let's figure this out." And so, like, we, like we read some stuff. You know, my wife definitely read more than I did, but we both, you know, we read some stuff. Kind of got the basics down. 
But then I think we both just sort of have like an understanding of like, let's not go down these deep internet wormholes of every single thing that can go wrong because you see like people just freak themselves out, right? You have a baby and it's like, oh my God, so many things could go wrong. And it's like, yeah, life, things can go wrong mm-hmm. and they do and they will. And when they do, we figure it out. And I think that, you know, because we kind of had that attitude, like I didn't know what to expect. I think learning them as they come, I don't know, it just makes it like very like empirical. And mm-hmm. really, like, it's really enjoyable, right? Because you're just like, oh, that's a new fluid. <laughs> How do we deal with that? You know what I mean? Like, you know, here's a, here's a, <laughs> what's that sound? Uh, right? Never heard that before. <laughs> well, I've never heard that sound. I'm, is that a human? Is that a human making that sound? What's going on? It's your is human. supposed to have a tail? Like, <laughs> you and your family were just on the cover of LA Parent Magazine. Uh, what, yeah. what's, what is the best advice that, that you would have for new parents out there? For, for the dads, right? You got to be there and you got to show up and you got to do your part, which is basically everything, right? You have to do You got to do the dishes, keep the place clean, gas in the car, make sure the bills are paid, you know, cook the food, like just keep the list, make sure you got enough of everything. Like do all the things because like my wife is, she's an incredible mom. It's so amazing to me and she's so good at it. The baby cries, like I can put her on my shoulder and carry her like a sack of potatoes (laughs) and she'll stop crying, right? So like that's like the one thing I can do is I can get her to stop crying, right? I can change diapers and I can get her to stop crying. Other than that, like I am useless. Like I like trying to get her to sleep because she's like, I'm like, like when it, when she's with me, it's like, okay, this is playtime, right? Daddy's here and we're going to play. And so any, like if she's trying to go to sleep, if I try to get her to sleep, she is not going to bed. She's like, oh, it's dad. We're going to do <laughs> something fun. It's fun time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so like, I can't get her to sleep. So like middle of the night, it's like, you know, Two in the morning, three in the morning, like, you know, we'll wake up and I'm like, I, I wish I could go down there for you, you know, and help. So I, I try to make sure that everything else is done, you know, so my wife just doesn't have to think of anything. So I think, you know, for dads, it's like, just be there. That's great advice. In addition to being a proud father and a cake artist, which, of course, we're going to dive a lot into. But you're also <laughs> a graffiti artist, a metal sculptor and a musician in an Elvis cover band, which I think is amazing. Um, what What is your favorite song to cover? I used to be in an Elvis cover band. I was in an Elvis tribute band in Baltimore. Baltimore is like, they love Elvis there. Like everything kitschy. In Baltimore, <laughs> there's this uh, thing. It's called the Night of 100 Elvises, where like literally thousands of Elvis impersonators come from all over the world and celebrate Elvis. And it's in this massive thing. Uh, It's called the Lithuanian Hall. And it's in this weird part of Baltimore. It's this massive old building that was like built in the 1800s. And they had this huge, huge, huge party for Elvis. And um, like there was like a, there's a troop from Canada. It's like, it's like 25 women over 60 who are all Elvis impersonators who do like a whole chorus line thing. Like, it's just, it's amazing. Sounds it's amazing. One of the coolest, yeah. It is. It's, it's one of the coolest things in the world. Nobody knows about it. I don't know why, because it's incredible. So uh, me and some friends started a, like an Elvis band just for that. And so we called ourselves Danger Ace because the singer was, uh, singer is Rodney Henry, who he was on Next Food Network star 
and he's like a big time sort of indie rockabilly rock star. Like a like if you if if people are into rockabilly, they know who he is. And so he was the singer, guitar player. I played bass. We had a, a friend of ours playing drums, and we were three piece. And we just we played a bunch of Elvis songs. I think my favorite Elvis song to play was Polk Salad Annie. It's so pure. It's so like Elvis, but it's it's like so young Elvis, but also old Elvis. Okay. Like at the same time, like you sort of you're getting kind of the best of both, right? You know, like like don't be cruel is you know like like that's like a you know pretty classic mm-hmm. Elvis song. I mean, there's a lot of sort of like good fun classic songs, but yeah, Polk Salad Annie is it's. You'll love it. (laughs) So you're not in the band anymore, but how often do you just like to play music and kind of exercise your creativity that way? Yeah. So I'm actually the the band I'm in now. uh, It's all chefs. Uh, We're called Fwag Rock. Um, (laughs) That's amazing. And uh, the our singer is Bruce Kalman from uh, he was on Top Chef and he has a amazing if anybody goes to Vegas. You need to go to Soul Belly Barbecue okay. because it is the best bar. It is some of the best barbecue I've ever had in my life. Wow. And I was raised on barbecue. And I'm not saying this because Bruce is my friend. If you made <laughs> bad food, I would I would definitely tell everybody, yeah, yeah, Bruce is a great guy, but his food sucks. No, <laughs> like I'm telling you, like this barbecue is amazing. He makes a pastrami beef rib. Ooh. <laughs> it is Wow. Unbelievably delicious. It's so good. His burnt ends are like these big chunks and they're really like super crispy on the outside and really soft on the inside. And just, oh man, his, yeah, they're okay. great. Yeah. Well, so he's the singer. <laughs> My sous chef, Jeff, is one of the guitar players. Oh, uh, we got this other guy named Jesse, who's another guitar player. And then our drummer is uh, this guy, Fran, who he owns like an Irish pub here in LA, but he's an amazing drummer. Really, really good. And so we do like seventies, eighties, nineties songs. Like we play like ramble on by Led Zeppelin, burning down the house by uh talking heads. Now, now are you guys just playing for fun for each other or, or are people like hiring you for like their wedding or something like that? Like it started, you know, we were just doing it for fun. We we're just like guys that, you know, played music. And then, you know, since like Bruce and I are just sort of like both like pretty well known we would get involved, you know, we do like uh, charity events all mm-hmm. the time. After a while, like I love to cook. After a while, you get kind of tired of like standing behind a table and just handing people slices of cake and taking pictures, right? It's mm-hmm. just sort of like a, you know what I mean? It gets repetitive. So what we did was when we got invited to things, we were like, hey, instead of me cooking, can I bring my band and then we'll just play? And they were like, yeah, that'd be amazing. So now we do all these like charity events, like where we just show up and play. We don't have to cook and it's super fun. We get to hang out. That is <laughs> so <of> work. fun. <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. Dave Grohl was having a fundraiser and he was like, it would, and he doesn't, Dave Grohl is an amazing cook, by the way. Really? Uh, but he, uh, yeah, yeah. He makes incredible barbecue too um so he was like throwing this like big food event and had a bunch of bands come and play and we played and we got to play that song fortunate son with dave with grohl. dave grohl it was wow. the coolest thing that's ever happened <laughs> <laughs> does someone have like video of that or, or something oh like yeah that? there's a lot of video of it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can find it it's it was so cool and like i felt terrible because i'm the bass player and like 
I kept messing up because the whole time I was like, oh my God, it's Dave Grohl. Oh my God, it's, oh, that's a wrong note. Oh my God, it's Dave Grohl. Like I kept screwing up because I was so excited because we were playing with Dave Grohl. <laughs> I mean, no one could really blame you at that point, right? You know, we were, it was so, it was so loud, so fast and so fun. Like it was, nobody noticed. Oh, <laughs> Except wow. for the drummer, he noticed. He kept giving me funny looks. And I was like, sorry, man. <laughs> Let's take it back a little bit. I mean, you attended college and have you have a degree in history and philosophy, which I mean, just yeah. adds to like, you know, this enigma that is Duff Goldman. <laughs> what compelled you to choose that path at that time? I, I, I knew I wanted to be a chef like before my freshman year in college. And so when I got to college, I was like, look, well, you know, what could I learn? Like, what can I study while I'm here that would help me to become a better chef? And I was like, not much, really. You know what I mean? Like it turned out like, you know, you know I what I should have done was I should have taken a lot of business courses and mm, a lot true. of like accounting courses yeah. and things like that, because I know nothing about business. <laughs> you know, I built like this whole thing. I built it because I've hired people that know how to run a business because I am terrible. I mean, that's but, a smart <laughs> businessman right there. Yeah. It's just like, look. You know what I don't I don't know how to do? I don't know how to run a business. I need to find someone to do that. So uh, so I got some really incredible people. And, you know, we got a great team. We've all been working together for a long time. So I didn't take any business courses. So I was like, look, I'm in college. And, like, you know, I want to, like, play sports. I want to have fun. And I want to, you know what I mean, do my thing. But I want to, like, what I want to get out of my college education was not so much learn, like, facts, figures, or, you know, things like that, but... I kind of wanted to learn how to learn, mm. you know, because like, you know, high school, like, you know, high school's high school, right? You know, it's like, you know, you, you're, you're in high school. You don't know what the hell's going on. Like you're, you're a crazy person. So I wanted to sort of figure out like, all right, how do I sort of teach myself how to think? And so I, you know, with history and philosophy, I actually didn't learn how to read, uh, like a read, like an adult until I was a sophomore in high school. Wow. And because I learned how to read at such a late age, I love to read. I read a lot. I read, you know, two, sometimes three books a week. I mean, wow. I really like, I, I read a lot of books. So uh, I think because I learned how to read, like the, I, I figured like history and philosophy were both places where you do a lot of reading and I could keep up with it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, especially with philosophy, that's really where you learn how to think, right? How you, how to learn to be, you learn how to be critical, you know, you learn how to sort of evaluate yourself, how to evaluate the world, how to evaluate arguments, you know what I mean? And, you know, it just sort of like gives you just like a, I don't know, like a, like a little bit more of like a roadmap, you know, as opposed to like a compass, you know what I mean? Like it gives you a little bit more of just like a, a vernacular and a vocabulary that you can use to help you figure out the world. Because I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, it's funny, like being a parent now, when you were kids you sort of think like, man, like there's something that happens one day where I will become like my parents and <laughs> I will have it all figured out and I will understand the world and how it works and I will know what to do in certain situations. You know, it's just like as a kid, you're like, everything's confusing. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you're just, you're figuring everything out. And, you know, and you're like, there's something that happens between what, where I am now and my parents where I will figure everything out. And then you get older and you realize that is 100% not true. You <laughs> never figure it out. And now that I'm a dad, I'm like, oh, you, just, you just figure it out as you go every day. You know what I mean? And like, you know, I think that um, 
we're, we're scared of that. You know, we, like we sort of want like every child must know where they're going to go to college by the time they're in third grade. And I'm like, you know, don't you don't, no, you don't. <laughs> just figure it out as you go. Um, and so, you know, that's why I thought that like, you know, history and philosophy would be really good for me, you know, just like history, just studying the foibles of humans and, um, you know, with philosophy, just like understand how to kind of think about it. Ultimately, you did go to culinary school and obviously went on to open the famed Charm City Cakes in Baltimore, where you attended college. So what was it about Baltimore? I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit that kind of made you want to stay there, plant roots, you know, start a business at that time back then. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I didn't grow up in Baltimore. I grew up uh, in Massachusetts. So I went to culinary school in California. I was only in culinary school for seven months. It was a certificate program. Like, I don't have like a two-year or a four-year degree from the CIA. I have a a certificate in baking and pastry because I had just graduated college and I was like, I'm not going to another four years of college, (laughs) right? I'm trying to, I'm trying to work. You You put in your time. I've been working. Yeah, yeah. I like, you know, I, I, my first job, I was 14 and a half. So I was like, kind of like going all over the country. I was, you know, I worked in a bunch of different places in DC and Colorado and South Carolina, Seattle, he went overseas a little bit for this guy. When you're traveling around like that, um, you meet a lot of other people that are also sort of nomads. And whenever anybody asked me where I was from, I always said Baltimore. When I was in Colorado, I was in uh, Vail. And Vail is a, you know, it's like a resort town and like mm-hmm. nobody's from there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because if you're from there, you're on the U.S. ski team or something like nobody's from there. Everybody that, you know, you're in a big resort, every, it's all seasonal, right? People come from all over the place, you know. And so on your name tag, it's, you know, it says your name and then where you're from. So it's like, oh, you're from Oklahoma. You're from Tokyo. You're from, you know, Spain. Like, you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. on when they when I was like filling out my paperwork, I put Duff, Baltimore, Maryland. And I was like, huh, that's so strange that like. You know, I did like Baltimore just sort of became like my my new home. And it was also where all of my friends from college were and everybody that I played music with, you know, as a musician all the way back in in college. And I was like, you know, like I love cooking and I'm doing it and this is great. But I want to like I want to be a rock star. I want (laughs) to be in a huge rock band that tours the world. And, you know, that's like that's what I want to do. And so. I moved back to Baltimore because that's where all my friends who were musicians were. And I was like, you know, I know some great musicians there. Like, let's let's do this thing. And so I was like, all right, how do I pay the rent? So when you're working in restaurants and hotels, you're working while everybody else is partying. But if you're trying to be in a touring rock band, it just doesn't work. (laughs) Those those two things can't exist in the same universe. Mm -hmm. So I started selling cakes out of my apartment to make enough money to pay my rent. Until my big check from the record company. Yeah, until you, <laughs> you, you hit it big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your big break. Yeah, well, still waiting. <laughs> still, man, one of these days, I'm telling you, I'm going to be on like Sony Records and I'm going to be touring in Tokyo. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody likes a 46-year-old fat rock star. <laughs> Duff chats with us about Ace of Cakes and later all of the holiday programming he's part of this season on Food Network coming up next. So you're selling cakes out of your apartment and then eventually get get approached 
you know, you open your your shop, you get approached for Ace of Cakes. So do you remember kind of what was going through your mind back then? I did a, I did a, a cake decorating competition that was not televised. It was for uh, it was for Bon Appetit. I came in second to last. So I, here's the thing. I'd never competed in cakes before. I had competed in other things like ice. You know, I was a, a, an ice carver when I was in Colorado. I did some competitions, but never with. Of course uh, you were. N- yeah. <laughs> you know, it's fun, man. If you, uh, the, the, we just did um, uh, Buddy versus Duff, a, a holiday special. And I actually carve ice on that one. Ooh, it was okay. really, and I had done it like since like Colorado. It was, it was super fun. Anyways. So, uh, I, I went, I did this thing and the thing was I made a really cool cake, but I broke every single rule and I set my table on fire with an arc welder. Okay. And That's you know, impressive. they were like, first of all, why did you bring an arc welder to a cake decorating competition? I'm like, why didn't you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're jealous of my arc welder. So anyway, so I, like, you know, I was just, I was a nightmare. I was an absolute mess. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just making this really crazy thing. And I made this cool, it was like a big peach tree. It was like a metal tree and it had all these cakes where hanging off of the branches like peaches. And so some of the judges were also competitors on Food Network. Those guys went back to Food Network. They're like, hey, you should check this dude out. He's hilarious and he's not a very good cake decorator, but it's really funny. <laughs> and so they were like, hey, do you want to, do you want to, um, you know, compete on, on the thing? They called me up and I was like, you know, I asked Jeff and I was like, hey, Jeff, do you want to go like compete on, on, on Food Network? And he was just like, Sure. Why not? You know, like, you know, it wasn't really something that neither of us were like trying to do. We were just trying to make enough money to be in bands. So we went, we competed and we like we did. OK, we actually made a really cool cake. Our first one was the Halloween. It was like a Halloween challenge. And we made this like spooky haunted house cake. And I moved out of the, my apartment and rented like this really crappy like catering kitchen because the health department had showed up and be like, hey, you know, you can't bake cakes in your apartment. You have to get like a real a real store. So okay. I did. So I got a real, you know, I rented this space, but the thing was like, I still, I didn't have a, a health department certification. So we, we had this like really crappy kitchen. It didn't have heat. And so I had this like warehouse heater. It's just a thing that you hook up to a propane tank and turn it on and that would heat the space. And the space was so crappy. There's like pipes and stuff just sticking out of the floor Two days before the competition, I trip on a pipe. I land on the, the heater and I burn all the skin off of my right hand. Oh so we show up there. I got this huge bandage on <laughs> and I'm like rolling stuff like this, like like one hand down, one hand up. I'm like using the back of my hand to roll fondant. on. The, like it was just it was a nightmare. So we came in like third place, which wasn't bad. Like not that last, was like one of the, at least. Not yeah, not second last. Last. <laughs> Everybody was like like a little bit older and everyone's like pretty, like, you know, pretty serious and everything. Like Jeff and I are like two guys in rock bands, right? We're, we weren't taking, like we were taking it seriously, but we also were like, you know, this is fun, right? We're having a good time. And so we had a good time. Like, we, you know, we goofed around. They had like, they did all this B-roll of everybody, like before the competition, everybody was like, in their hotel rooms, like practicing and doing their lists of all the, mm-hmm. like, okay, at 1105, I'll have this, 1110, I'll have this. And so they were like going to all the different teams and showing what they were doing because every team got like a, a camera guy and a producer that just followed them around for the day before the competition. When Jeff and I went skeet shooting, <laughs> the producer was like, can we film you skeet shooting? We're like, yeah, sure. Then, you know, why not? And so we were out there just like shooting guns when like the episode aired 
they like played it as like, you know, they're like showing all like the people being all serious. And then they get to us. We're like, pull. (laughs) (laughs) Just shooting guns and laughing. And they're just like, yeah, these guys are, you know, they're not like they're they're different than everybody else. And so they liked it. And so they uh, they asked us to come back and do another one. And so we did a few more. And like at one point I asked him, I was like, why you guys like we never win. Like, why do you keep asking us to do this? We're not very good. You know, compa- like, you know, we were OK, but we weren't as good as like some of the people were competing against. And they were just like, oh, it's fine. You guys are funny. People like watching. And I was like, OK, that's cool. They wanted to get some B-roll of my bakery to use in the episode. And so they they sent a crew to Baltimore to, you know, film me and Jeff. They got there and they were like, they saw it was like, it wasn't just me and Jeff. Like everybody that worked for me was either like a dude in a rock band <laughs> with tattoos or a weirdo hipster artist. Cause I, I hired all these kids from the art school in Baltimore, really good art school. And they're all like, you know, like blue hair and tattoos and they're all, you know what I mean? They're weird artists. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's like when they got there, they were just like, there's like 11 of you and you're like, everybody's a character, you know, like they were just like, this is crazy. So they were like, you know, we should film a show in here. And it was funny because I like, you know, I, I asked everybody like, you know, back then, like they were like, everybody was just like tragically hip and they were like a reality tragically. show. Ew. <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know. So everybody like was a little like up in the air about it. Eventually, we all, you know, everybody's like, you know what, like, let's do it. it. It could be really fun, you know, and everybody was like, it's a fun group of people. So, like, yeah, let's try it out. And so we did it. And I think one of the things that was so wonderful about Isaac Cakes was that nobody really cared that they were being filmed. Mm. And I think that's what made it really good. Yeah. You know, it was that it was a very honest. It was uh, like it was real. Back, it was an actual reality. Yeah. Show, you know? Yeah. Not like really a was. scripted like, no, reality show. Yeah. Yeah. No, nobody was like trying to like. Oh, the cake fell on the floor. What do we do? Or like, oh, the bride's yelling. What do we do? Like, it, it's, it wasn't produced at all. Like, it was just, you know, the, the, like they got what they got. And so, you know, it was actually really fun. But yeah, that's, that's kind of how it, like, how it started was that they were just like, oh, there's a whole group of weird people <laughs> in Baltimore that have this castle that they're, ba- they're, so the bakery itself is a, it's a Lutheran church. It was built in the 1890s. Wow. And it's, I mean, it's amazing. It's a beautiful building. And uh, in the basement, I built a a studio for my band to practice in. (laughs) It's like super creepy down there, right? It's super like, the building was built in 1890. And so like we had a a paranormal investigator come and like check the building out. And uh, this this lady, she went to City Hall and like found like the records from the building and like the original like architectural drawings and stuff. And it turns out in the band room, there was like a weird slot in the floor that went the whole length of the room into the sub basement where the sump pump was. And so she like, you know, brought the thing and she, she was showing us the plans and she was like, the room where your band practices was the mortuary of this church. That's where all the dead bodies. Oh, went. wow. And that channel in the floor was when they hosed the place down. All the blood and stuff would go into the sump pump. And Oh, wow. <laughs> it's crazy. This place is nuts. Man. It's, re- it's a cool building. It's cool. But yeah, creepy. But so, so I think that, you know, it was just like, it was such an interesting sort of, you know, interesting group of people, interesting building. We were doing something interesting in an interesting place that not a lot of people had heard of, you know, really 
been exposed to. You know, Baltimore is one of the coolest cities in the world. And I've been to a lot of the cities all over the world. Baltimore is awesome. Yeah, it really is. Well, whatever producer saw saw that opportunity was uh, very smart because it it obviously went on for 10 seasons. And now you are clearly a a mainstay on Food Network. We have to talk about some of your your upcoming and current programming that everybody's excited about. Obviously, Holiday Baking Championship. You're a judge alongside Nancy Fuller and Carla Hall. Um, I can imagine Mm. you guys uh, have zero fun on that show. Um, (laughs) What what does it typical filming day look like <laughs> i mean we dude i'm telling you we have such a good time on that show i think one of the reasons why that show resonates so well with people is that we are we're very real we have a great relationship with each other everybody is very comfortable like making fun of each other talking smack just being silly being good like we genuinely enjoy each other's company mm-hmm. and when the cameras aren't on it doesn't stop from the time we get there in the morning in the makeup room, we we already it's already going. It's just what you're seeing on TV is just a continuation of what we talk about, <laughs> you know, all day long. So you know, it's it's really it's super super fun. How do, how does a, a show like that compare to you know Buddy versus Duff? And, and obviously, you guys have Buddy versus Duff holiday coming up as well. So clearly, they're both holiday themed, but completely different uh, format, different asks different roles uh for you yeah yeah well you know one of them i'm judging and the other one i'm yeah of course right and judging duff is a very different person (laughs) than competing what is the what's the main difference (laughs) people that work with judging duff like him people that work with competing duff usually don't ever want to work with him ever again Uh, (laughs) i'm not that bad i'm not that bad but i get a little i get grumpy i get i get a little grumpy when you're doing the the cakes that we're doing, the volume, the size, the scope, and within the time that we're given, there are not a lot of people in the world that can be doing what we're doing mm-hmm. in there. When you see the cakes that we're creating, and we are literally creating those over the course of two days, That's right? Insane. For these builds that are just wild. I mean, I think the cool thing about it is that there's not, there's nobody else out there, you know? I mean, I'm sure like, hopefully soon there will be Mm. right. You know, and that's one of the cool things about like having been on food network for so long, doing what I do and seeing it evolve from when I started to now uh, and seeing what other people are capable of now and seeing like where, like one of my first inspirations was Jacques Torres had made a cake for a room in the Sackler Gallery in D.C. that looked, the whole room was imported from England. So they took the walls, the wallpaper, the furniture, the windows, everything. They took it from this mansion in England and put it inside the the Sackler Gallery in, uh, or the Freer, it was the Freer Gallery in in D.C. in the Smithsonian. And to celebrate the opening of this thing, Jacques Torres had made this amazing cake. Mm. I saw it in a National Geographic magazine. And the the cool thing was um, at one of those Food Network challenges, I saw Jacques Torres and I ran up to him and I was like, listen, man, <laughs> you know, like, you don't know who I am, but I'm a real, like, I, you have inspired me. And I, I was telling him the story about how I saw this cake in the National Geographic to see sort of like where, like where it was and what I did with it. And now seeing what other people that are out there with, with their, with their sort of like, you know, the the state of cake decorating is, a, you know, it's it's crazy. 
but seeing what the spinoffs that they're taking it, directions that other people are taking it in. It's so cool seeing what people do with cake decorating and, and seeing where like people have kind of taken things you know, to such extremes just makes me, it just makes me so proud. You're inspiring this new generation of kid bakers as well. And of course we get to see you as the host and judge on kids baking championship. Uh, in addition to all of your other food network duties, which is, you know, a, a special show in and of itself. And I know you guys have a special coming up. So uh, what can we expect on, on, on that upcoming uh, programming? Getting to see kids that we had worked with before mm-hmm. that, like maybe they went home and, you just didn't want them to go home, but it was their time, you know? And it's like, you know, you're like, man, I'd really like to see like what else that kid has. Bringing them back and getting to see them again. It's always really fun. We, you develop a special relationship with every single kid. Like you really do like develop a relationship. And so like being able when the kids come back and you fall right into those same, your same like little inside jokes that only you and that kid have and all those little things that you do. It's just super fun to kind of see how they mature. And now that some of the kids from some of the earlier seasons are like freshmen and sophomores in college. Uh, And now having them coming back and guest judging uh, is really fun. It's like, you know, yeah. Cause you're like, you knew this kid when she was like nine years old, she comes back and she's like 16 and you're like, Whoa, like you're (laughs) like a whole different person. It's amazing. You know, it's really cool. Are a lot of them still, still baking and still, still. Yeah. Matthew, uh, from I think it was season one or season two, he is a huge TikTok baker star. Really? Huge. That, that yeah, makes he's got sense. Like millions of followers. Yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, really cool. That's, I mean, yeah. what is that like to know that you kind of, you know, inspired that in a way? Yeah, I, I love it. There was actually, we ended up, the two of us, we both got hired by like, you know, Nabisco or, you know, whoever it was, like to do a thing. And I was like, working with him and it was so cool it was i was like this is incredible that like when i met you you were 10 years old and you made hot dog flavored ice cream it was one of the most disgusting things i've ever tasted <laughs> and like now here we are like you know going back and forth like it was just it was amazing it was really really cool so like that that too is you know it's just it's lovely that's it awesome really is. Well, we don't want to yeah. keep you too long so we are going to finish up with a little rapid fire round and then we have one final question for you before we let you go so Rapid fire questions. Uh, what music is normally playing at the shop? There is so much music out there. It just depends. You know, it depends on like your mood, the you day, know, if, the season. Yeah. Like if it's if it's late on a Friday night and you're trying to get all the wedding cakes done, that music is going to be, you know, totally different. Right. You know, you like I don't know, like if like if it's like early in the week and everybody's just kind of starting out and kind of thinking a lot about what they're going to be doing that week. It'll, it'll be like something a little more chill, maybe a little bit more, um, I don't know, maybe some instrumental stuff. So people are really just kind of like just thinking about, you know, so we'd be listening to like Explosions in the Sky or uh, this band Tortoise uh, is, is a bakery favorite. We um, Like Do Make Say Thank, they're a really good band. Or Siger Ross, Siger Ross, the Icelandic band that Bjork described as what well, what glaciers sound like if they could sing? Yeah, you know, bands <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> she's so weird. Uh, and then, like, if it's, like, you know, late on a Friday night, we're probably listening to, like, like Baltimore Club, you know, was was always a favorite. So, like, there's, there's a style of music called Baltimore Club, which 
if everybody out there, if you want to really like just get moving and shaken, go uh, go find the song Dance My Pain Away. Right. So just go to like your whatever music streaming service you're using. Type in Dance My Pain Away okay. and play that song and you are just going to feel amazing. All it's right. Incredible. I, I love that. And I love that answer. <laughs> I'm just dying laughing inside because that is the longest rapid fire um, answer that we've ever had. <laughs> but, but it's very it's very on brand so i i think it tracks it's perfect um, i'm i'm uh i'm i'm loquacious <laughs> really um, <laughs> all right favorite cake you've ever made uh we made a life-size working r2d2 for george wow. lucas and we got to bring it we got to make it at the skywalker ranch we spent a week there making a cake and hanging out at Skywalker Ranch. Okay. It was the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. Okay. Ever. Well, next podcast, we're going to dive into that one more, <laughs> uh, more extensively. Uh, go to Baltimore uh, lunch spot. Oh, uh, the, the Baltimore Museum of Art mm. has a really good restaurant in it called Gertrude's. And the chef there is this guy named John Shields, who is the... He is the like ambassador of the Chesapeake Bay. Like he's the guy and his fried oysters. The, the dish is called the Oyster Judy mm. and it's like a fried oyster sandwich. His fried oysters are so good. All right. Go to comfort food. Go to comfort food is usually like nuts, okay. like, like pistachios. OK. You know? like, just to like. Just shovel you know them in. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, favorite cake flavor. Don't, I, I hope you, I hope you respect me. Okay. Um, oh, my favorite cake flavor is yellow boxed cake mix <laughs> with the, like the canned chocolate frosting. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, but it has to be baked, like not in a cake pan. It has to be baked in a glass, like, you know, like a casserole dish. And it has to have like little nonpareils on top, like the <laughs> birthday cake that your mom made when it was your birthday in elementary school. And you had to like bring a cake to school. That's one. Like and then you would, you know, everybody would get a slice of cake on your birthday. Uh, it was always yellow cake, chocolate frosting with nonpareils baked in a casserole dish. Yep. And just it's one of my favorite things in the world. That's so funny. That brings back <laughs> a lot of memories for sure. All right. Well, maybe that'll be the the final part of this last question. And that is what is on the menu for your perfect food day. So what are you eating for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then dessert? Let's see. Uh, for breakfast, it's going to be hollow French toast with fried egg sandwiches. My fried egg sandwich is Wonder Bread, lightly toasted, and then mayonnaise, hot sauce, mm-hmm. And a hard fried egg. So you take the egg and you crack it and you fry it in a hot pan and you fry it until it is like crispy. So no runny yolk. (laughs) No, no. It is like it is crispy. Like all the edges are like super, super crispy. That is my egg sandwich. And it is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So that's breakfast. Okay. That's Uh, breakfast. Okay. Lunch. (laughs) Clam chowder. Real New England clam Mm. chowder. But like thick. Like I make my chowder like thick, like runny mashed potatoes, like (laughs) thick. I like 
very, very, very thick. Chocolate, you want the spoon chocolate. to like stand up in, in your. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Like it's like when you when you like you can almost get all of it out of the bowl at once. Like it's super <laughs> thick. Fried clams like with the bellies on like real, you know, like, you know, you can't not like clam strips. Uh, a stuffed quahog, which is an actual another kind of clam. It is another kind of <laughs> it's clam, a, yes. So a quahog is a big giant clam. And uh, you you rake for them. So when you go fishing for quahogs, which I've done several times, uh, you get a rake and you go into the water until it's like up to your chest. And you sit there with the rake and you rake the sand and then you hear a clunk and then you got to dive down and get the get the quahog. Uh, that's how you fa- that's how you get them. But a stuffed quahog is you get the, these huge clams and you open them up, you scoop out the meat. Um, you chop it up and toss it with uh, cornbread and tasso ham and uh, a little bit of celery and, and tons of butter, and you make a stuffing with it. And you put it back in the shell, cover it in breadcrumbs, and stick it in the oven, and you roast it until it's like super crispy on top and like buttery and a little cheesy. Oh man, I think about clams at least once a day. <laughs> I'm serious, I do. Like at some point every single day. Clams pop into my head. Okay. Clams three ways. Yeah, it's all, all clam all clam lunch. Maybe a lobster roll just to break okay, up the just monotony. Yeah, just okay. for good measure. Oh, yeah. And that would have to be all served with a fountain Coke mm-hmm. in a, like, one of those, like, yellowy clear plastics with the texture on the outside <laughs> oh, with yeah. crushed ice. Uh, okay, that's lunch. And then dinner, my mom's brisket. Mm. Because it's just the best one ever made. My mom's matzo ball soup and her oyster stuffing. Mm. She makes this. It's a jello mold, right? But hear me out. Okay. It's really good. So she makes the she makes this like cherry jello, and she makes it with port wine, mm. right? Like a really good port. Then she gets sour cherries. And she stuffs them with toasted walnuts. Wow. And then pours the jello and then suspends all the cherries and with stuffed with walnuts in the jello. And then, you know, it, it solidifies. So you basically have this like jello. Oh, and she does it in a, she has this one mold that's a, it's a copper salmon. And she uses <laughs> this mold for her salmon mousse. Okay. Which is also, you know what? That's also okay. On the that's list. also on the menu. Mousse. And then she, so, it, but she uses the same mold for the Jello mold. Okay, so you're gonna have so to get her Jell-O a second mold. one for this. Yeah, for this well, dinner. no, no. The, the, so the Jello mold is shaped like a salmon. Mm. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah, it's really good. And it's like you get like you get like the the slices are like so good, just slightly alcoholic, not too bad. And like the cherries are mush, and then the walnuts are roasted, so they're really like crunchy. Like it's it's amazing. Wow. It's a jello mold, but okay. it's amazing. I promise. Okay. I promise. All right. So that's dessert. All right. Then at two in the morning, okay. <laughs> it would be pizza that what like that's in the box that has been sitting there <laughs> since since that day. Okay. Right. So if we had like we went out for pizza at lunch and then like brought pizza home and sat it on the counter, didn't even put it in the fridge, and it sat there all day at two in the morning, we would eat that pizza. Okay. 
Do you warm it up or are you just straight from the box? Nope. Just okay. Straight from the box. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That, and, that, <laughs> and that is Duff Goldman's uh, perfect food day. <laughs> that, that was awesome. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute blast. I've been grinning from ear to ear the entire time. So thank you for the stories. And we, we look forward to all of the fun holiday programming coming up on Food Network. Wow. A, a food day that started with Wonder Bread and ended with old pizza. That is not what I was expecting from Duff Goldman, but I, I loved it just the same. Uh, you can catch more of Duff on Holiday Baking Championship Mondays at 8, 7 central on Food Network and streaming on Discovery Plus. On the special Kids Baking Championship Light Up the Holidays, premiering on Sunday, November 21st at 8, 7 central on Food Network. And also on Buddy vs. Duff Holiday, premiering Sunday, November 28th at 8, 7 central on Food Network and streaming on Discovery+. Plus. Thanks so much for listening and make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. 